Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Franchise pros, stand the man, Paul Segretto, Badlands, baby. Huh. Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today. Hello everyone in the franchise world, my name is Paul Segreto and this is Franchise Today. Today is August 2nd, 2017. I'm reporting live from the very, very hot and humid city of Houston, Texas, and my co-host, the ever-lovable, the infamous Stan Friedman, reporting live from the hot city of Hotlanta. You know, I think you've displaced me, Paul. I really do. In fact, I'm going to have to check in with Lane Fisher because Lane used to give me all kinds of razzmatazz because all of the time on Facebook I would post the weather here in Atlanta and the weather is something that you open our podcast with every week and I think I'm passing the crown and the baton off, or the thermometer, if you will, off to you. <laughs> well, that is Welcome good. Welcome back, Paul. Speaking of Lane, thank you. Thank you. Uh, speaking of Lane, too, um, just trying to wrap up uh, uh, or confirm with him and uh, Brad Fishman. They will be on in August, uh, later in the month, uh, to talk about their upcoming springboard conference in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Looking forward to it, actually. I'm a, I'm a sponsor and a participant, and I'm looking forward to that event, as I do every year, because typically, Paul, out of everything that we both uh, participate in through IFA and otherwise, the things that I love most, really love most with the greatest of passion are centered around emerging franchisors. So that, that, that conference to me is yep. always my favorite. Yep, absolutely. Well, Stan, I know you have limited time today because you've got an event this afternoon. So why don't you tell us about it and then get to uh, doing your final preparations as I bring on today's guest. Sure enough, Paul, and thanks for the opportunity to do that today. I've got the IFA's Wednesday, Wednesday Wise webinar today, and um, I'll be talking about the topic that we've, we've titled it is, is making more out of less and the tools that you use to do so. And we're kind of looking at it from the perspective, Paul, of, of what's happened uh, since November which in many things have happened since November, and not to get political about it, one thing that has been uh, remarkable is that for the first time in 10 years, the, the U.S. can claim to have a burgeoning job market. And because the job market is up, franchise lead pools dwindle, and they, they suffer because of that. And so we're going to talk about things that you can be doing to help make the most of what you've got and to make certain that everything from your website's presence to the tools that you're using are fine-tuned to, um, to optimize the opportunities that you've got and get more people engaged in your processes. And kind of that's what we're going to talk about today at 2 o'clock Eastern time. And if anyone has still not registered and would like to listening live, you've got two hours to do so. And, um, there'll be some deliverables coming out of the webinar as well. But thanks to the IFA for the opportunity and the supplier board uh, for the privilege of letting me participate and host this webinar today. 
Well, thank you, Stan. Best of luck with that webinar, and I look forward to uh, having you back on the show uh, next week. Next week we have uh, Sabrina Wall, the founder and CEO of the Franchise Brokers Association, will be our guest. So um, should be a, a, an interesting conversation. And I'll, I'll apologize in advance to Jeff Leffler for um, for bailing out on today's call, and, and instead of uh, having a tag team with you and me, Paul, he's he's one on one. So my apologies to Jeff, but you guys are going to be great, and I'm going to back out and let you take it away. Thank you. All right, thanks, Stan. So interesting quote that I read uh, from Jeff: the challenge is that using franchise services or eating at a franchise location is far different than investing in a franchise. There are often significant differences between a good consumer franchise and a good investment franchise. Uh, Jeff, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, you know, it's interesting that uh, Stan and and the IFA today are talking about you know, different things, different resources and tools they should be using in their franchise sales process. And, of course, your company, uh, FranchiseGrade.com, uh, is also an additional resource for franchise organizations uh, as well as candidates alike. So what I'd like to start off with, though, is tell us some about, you know, Jeff Leffler, the person, uh, go back as far as you'd like to go back and, and take us up to – you know, why FranchiseGrade.com, why franchising, and, and of course, your entry into the space. Yeah, thanks. Um, my franchise experience started when I was in university. Um, I invested into, as a minority shareholder, into a franchise E that delivered bread. Uh, the company was called Canada Bread. Uh, so... There was no expectation. It just happened um, that that business opportunity came about, and I looked at the investment opportunity, and what was interesting was that it was a service-based model that delivered to different grocery stores. There was no significant retail or outlay of costs other than a delivery truck. Um, Throughout the years, over about a 10-year period, I ended up uh, purchasing out the existing franchisee and uh, increased to three franchises. in that system, I learned about a lot about the franchise relationship with the franchisor. Uh, there was good times and bad. And in 06, 07, there was some commodity uh, pressures that were put on the franchisor. And ultimately, a, a, a relationship ensued where there was some margin issues between trying to obviously cover uh, increased operating costs on their side and obviously our side. So at that time, I created a franchisee association where we did an entire recruitment and retention effort across the country to bring in almost a 1,000 franchisees into our uh, association where we were advocating for franchisee interests. Uh, So that was kind of my first step into something beyond just being a franchisee. And as that grew, uh, I started attending different conferences on uh, for franchising, franchisee association conferences, and began consulting for other franchise systems on how to create an association, how to create an advocacy-type association, not a, an aggressive kind of punitive attempt. This was about finding a way to create a relationship between the franchisees and the franchisor that was to come to some sort of amicable solution. 
Um, as I did that, I started speaking with different franchisees on why they purchased a particular franchise. And the quote you comment or you read at the very beginning is exactly what I found, that there were franchisees who invested because they liked the taste of the food um, or because they had some affinity to the brand from a consumer side. So their consumer mindset drove their investment decision, which ultimately led to some significant challenges between either them specifically or the franchise network specifically or together and the franchisor. Um, so at the same time, I'm also my own day trader. I, I invest into stocks. I'm a technical investor. Um, and what's interesting is, is that there was really no analytics within franchising to gauge competitive investment opportunities. Um, from a stock perspective, I could look at five or six different stocks and look at their technicals and come up with some rationale as to why I would invest my money into stock A as opposed to stock B. Um, but from a franchise perspective, looking at the same type of dollar amount, there really wasn't any direct comparisons at the time to see the investment risks or evaluate the investment risks um, independent of any uh, subjective feelings or, or subjective components to the investment, whether that was or there was affinity or a passion about that brand. And that's the genesis of franchise grade. Um, interesting. So did you found, uh, were you, are you the founder of franchisegrade.com? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I founded it um, okay. in 2013. Okay, excellent. And I just wanted to clarify that because uh, every place that I, I looked online, I see you as the CEO, and uh, I thought you were the founder. So thanks for, you know, clarifying that. So yeah. uh, FranchiseGrade.com uh, over the last four years has proved very much a resource, a valuable resource for both um, individuals, whether it be you know new to uh, franchising or even to the sophisticated. Uh, franchise investor along the lines of what you talked about in a, in a great analogy and comparing it to uh, investing in stocks. Yes, there's, there's really not a lot of information that's out there, and certainly FranchiseGrade.com has uh, really um, filled the gap, so to speak, a, a very large gap, at least in, in my own personal estimation and opinion. Uh, but it's also a, a very valuable resource for franchisors. So let's talk a little bit about the, the two client models here. Let's start with the franchisor model. Why FranchiseGrade.com for franchisors? The, the challenges in growing a franchise brand um, are substantial. And from our statistics on emerging brands, um, there is a significant pool of franchise brands that are struggling to get beyond various thresholds from 25 to 50 to 100 outlets. Um, the differentiation, so what it comes down to is the ability to understand your competitive mix, making sure that you have, as a franchisor, uh, an ability to put a value proposition on the investment criteria when you're speaking with a candidate. And that's been something that uh, a lot of our clients have found was the the statistics 
to say to a candidate that our brand has X attribute where only 20% in the industry offer that opportunity or offer that territory protection, whatever the case might be, um, goes a long way to instilling trust into the candidate, into that sales conversation. And so the goal from our side was to be able to provide franchisors with those readily access to those statistics so that they can put a value proposition out there that's not just the consumer side or the, the, the um, you know, the brand itself, being able to take that and compare it to other opportunities. So what is the type of information that you provide to franchisors to, uh, to tie that all into a nice little package? Uh, we have we have a platform. It's called Franchise Intelligence. Uh, what it entails is we have thousands, thousands and thousands of data points that we extract from an FDD. So this is everything from the various types of litigation, whether that's uh, against a franchisee or against a franchisor, um, various item five components, item six, all the way through to state level item twenty data. Um, we take all that information from, from franchise systems as a whole, and any one brand can look at their specific franchise and compare it to aggregates of like competitors. So you can compare a, a burger franchise to all burger concepts or a million-dollar investment to all million-dollar investments or service-based or home-based to that group. And that would aggregate anything from you know the average franchise fee royalty uh, the different ad components, uh, the territory commitments, the term termination rights, uh, a variety of different other components, the growth or turnover by state. And the goal ultimately is to give that franchisor the ability to understand where they sit in any competitive set, whether that's the size of the franchise, whether that's the investment range of the franchise, or whether that's the specific business model that they're in. Um, there's also an ability to compare direct systems. So if there are key competitors that um, your candidates come to you saying we are looking at your brand and brand XYZ, the ability to go in and look at those specific competitors, download their FDDs, analyze any information. And ultimately, we're providing a bit of guidance on what we call an FDD audit. So this is the way to present your FDD to the type of candidate you are targeting. So is the relationship with franchisors a, a one-time project, or is there ongoing uh, activities through the year, or is it just something that's done once a year? Uh, so there are one-time projects, um, but our primary engagement with franchisors are a subscription-based service, so it's self-directed, where we have uh, companies where their sales team uses the service on a regular basis while they're working on webinars or discovery days with candidates. Uh, the executive team is doing the re, you know, strategic reviews during renewal season. And uh, other uh, individuals within the organization from a compliance perspective or uh, you know, a competitive set to grab FDDs to provide to their legal team. Uh, ultimately, the package that we have is, is kind of suited to various roles within the organization, including even marketing, going in and being able to pull statistics to incorporate into marketing documents. Very interesting. 
What is what is some of the feedback been from your growing list of clients? Oh, um, I, I mean, uh, I'm going to say awe to a certain extent um, because of the variety okay. of services. Uh, and and I sure. say that obviously self-serving to a certain extent, but um, what it comes down to is just understanding how to use the platform. Um, we've it takes in a bit of a learning curve to get in, and once that's done, um, the comfort level of the franchise or using that service and actually integrating it into a support structure, um, the feedback we've given has been very positive around um, just the value of helping them understand the landscape and understand how their brand is positioned in that uh, in the franchise space. So from the perspective as, you know, again, going back to, you know, Stan's um, participation or actually spearheading this afternoon's Wednesday Wise webinar with the IFA, you know, focused on franchise uh, sales and development uh, because, uh, as, as he said, you know, back in November, you know, change in leadership yep. in, the, in, the, in the country has now um, looks like everything's moving towards, you know, increased um, you know, jobs, and as Stan said, um, many times before as this has occurred, the franchise pool kind of dwindles a bit, and so yeah. franchisors really need to start. And, and I'm not going to say so much they need to get creative, but creative in, in a way of, of thinking outside what has been the normal box for them for, you know, the last three or four years since we came out of the financial debacle of 2008 to 2012. So why, in your estimation, if you were pitching to a, a, a franchisor that has stayed the course the last four, few years and now has to start looking at adding some changes? So this is, and, 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 and I, I will preface this by this will be self-serving, okay? Uh, but I want our listeners to listen to you know, what your pitch would be to a franchisor of why, especially now, it's absolutely essential they bring in your organization and, and the services that you provide. Yeah, the well, the candidate pool is, is, you know, going to shrink a little bit. And having that individual in front of you and gaining their attention, gaining their trust is, is critical. So, what we're providing is ultimately an ability to make sure that when you present your brand from an investment perspective, that you're competitive in your space. And it doesn't mean that you're offering a larger territory. It means that you're offering a competitive territory, and that might mean that there are no territories. Um, but understanding that and being able to put yourself in a position of, of authority with that candidate keeps them engaged with you. So at the same time, understanding the evolution of some of your competitors. There are various companies that are evolving year over year with their offering. That's either decreased royalties or more transparency on an item 19. Um, trying to make sure that you understand the landscape of what they're offering to that individual is important. I mean, the, so from our side, we're providing an insight into kind of the macro trends of the industry as well as, you know, a direct analysis of, your competitive environment. Um, we work with a number of prospective franchisees. They come to our website and engage us looking for information. 
So we study their um, engagement flow with various franchisors. And, you know, I've read this with other um, Others have talked about this where franchise prospects are looking to gather as much information as possible before they engage the franchisees. Searching on, on Google is a lot easier than it was 10 years ago. So franchise prospects are gathering all of as much information as they can and then engaging the franchisor. So being in a position where you're able to differentiate yourself or put yourself in a, a view or, or in front of those individuals and be able to offer or identify the value of the brand is going to bring more candidates to you. And, and we can provide kind of an insight into how to do that. Yes, yeah, certainly uh, today's candidate uh, not only is more educated and sophisticated than ever before, but they're certainly more technologically advanced than ever before. Um, but of course, the, due to what's in our rearview mirror, 2008 to 2012, they were also more diligent and, and cautious than, they, than ever before. And yeah. of course, along with that comes a, a certain level of anxiety. And I know I've been promoting for quite a while that the old A to Z franchise sales process, where you know somebody called up and said, "Hey, I, I want to learn about your brand." and the representative sent them out a four-color brochure, tapped their fingers on the desk for about two to three days, make sure they received yep. it, called them to make sure they received it, uh, gave them another day or two to, uh, you know, pour through that, uh, set up a conversation. After that conversation, took that uh, printed copy of the uh, disclosure document, whether it be the UFOC or even the early stages yep. of the FDD, and, and sent it out expensively overnight mail, waited a couple of days and went through that same process. And there was no way for, you know, uh, candidates really to uh, do some of their own research. Uh, the, the franchise or the franchise salesperson was typically uh, totally in control of the process. And, and of course, what we're finding now um, and experiencing now are candidates coming in that might really be the equivalent of letter M or S in the franchise sales process exactly. because they know so much. And, 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 of course, we have to make sure as franchise sales representatives that we respect that because they've invested uh, a lot of time in it. So what would you say to a franchisor that says, well, you know what, Jeff, that, that sounds you know, good. It sounds great that you provide this information. But, you know, I, I could put on somebody on staff and I could probably do uh, a lot of research myself. How would you uh, argue against that? Um, I mean, look, the, the FDDs are publicly accessible. Um, this is a matter of convenience. We're providing a, a, a real-time access to all of that data. So from a cost perspective, um, it's one thing to put a body on it, but to be able to have access to the data in five minutes or in five seconds is not going to happen. So, you know, our, our subscription is a very cost-effective solution relative to putting bodies on, sourcing FTDs, finding them, extracting the information, doing the comparisons. And that's ultimately what we're providing is a, is a convenience on kind of a macro scale, not just the window of franchise opportunities that you as a as a team see. And we were actually on the phone with a with a franchisor 
that we identified a competitor that they did not know about. Uh, it was an emerging brand. Mm. We talked about that competitor, and they went, oh, wow, I can't believe I, we didn't know about that brand. So the ability to potentially expand the scope of your current knowledge base is critical because this is our core competency is making sure that we have visibility in, in as broad of the franchise industry as possible. So, um, and I imagine, you know, a, a big advantage too would be as changes occur. I mean, obviously yeah. you're staying up, you're, you and your team are staying up to date on, uh, on changes and, and seeing things and updating information um, exactly. accordingly. Explain a little bit about, yeah. you know, what your, what your team looks like. What is FranchiseGrade.com made up with? made up of with respect to, uh, you know, personnel and human resources. Yeah. Yeah, most of my staff are in either software development, IT, or research. Uh, I have a very small sales team. Um, our priority is data research, data integrity, uh, data analysis, coupled with technology solutions that are supporting those visualizations and those analytics. Um, so my team has grown significantly over the last year, and those two primary components have been IT and research. Um, all of my research staff qualify every single FDD, um, so we do have some varying automation and, and analyses based on technology and AI, but we have real-time or real people validating and quality and making sure that the FDD data is accurate and understood and, and interpreted in a way that's appropriate for the research. What are some of the uh, hot spots that you particularly uh, zone in on? And I know you do quite a comprehensive review, but one of the couple of the hot spots on the, uh, within the FDD that um, you initially really want to look at that potentially could be, you know, red flags? Yeah, I, I mean, item 20 is obviously a given. Um, you know, closures, ceased operations, terminations. Um, so that's, that's a key priority that we look at. Um, sold but not open pipeline um, is something that we watch as a trending component, not necessarily any one or two years, but over a period of time if – sales are occurring, but locations are not opening. Um, those are indications based on kind of studying a larger scale across the industry that those franchise systems do not grow or hit a certain threshold and, and potentially contract. Um, item 19, we've, we look at whether there is obviously an item 19. Secondary to that, we look at the type of disclosure, whether there is expense data of some form in that item 19. Um, and we look at disclosure value, meaning there are certain franchise systems that may disclose an item 19 with expense data, but only disclose 25% of their entire franchise network. Um, so, you know, looking at that and understanding that that could be a risk or there's, there's a gray area that's not disclosed, we identify those types of attributes. But outside of that, each sector is a little different. Um, you know, restaurant brands, having a territory is not as important or is not as widespread within all QSR and full-service restaurants. Um, but in a service-based franchise, there's a higher proportion that are, uh, there's protections or exclusivity within the territory. 
So looking at mm-hmm. those kind of attributes on a, on, a, on a key competitive basis as opposed to a, the industry as a whole makes it a little more um, relative to, to the investment type. Excellent. You're listening today to Franchise Today. I'm Paul Segreto. Typically, my co-host, Stan Friedman, would be on with me today, uh, but he uh, had to bail after the first part of the show as he is preparing for today's Wednesday Wise webinar uh, that he's hosting on behalf of the International Franchise Association. And we're talking today with Jeff Leffler, CEO at Franchise Grade. Franchise Today is brought to you by the Franchise Foundry, where we've been bringing emerging brands to market for more than 30 years. Foundry fosters healthy, sustainable growth for their clients, the kind that comes from experience. Franchise Foundry provides both coaching and consulting, a hybrid approach that delivers more effective solutions for both the franchisor's corporate team as well as for their franchisees. Franchise Foundry team is rich in practical hands-on experience and expertise with general business management, operational and change management, digital marketing, and, of course, franchise recruitment and development. Plus, the Foundry team can also assist you with creating roadmaps for potential mergers and acquisitions and provide you with the guidance needed to navigate them. Learn more about the Franchise Foundry, along with the ever-expanding list of clients at www.franchisefoundry.com. Franchise Today is also brought to you by FRM Solutions, offering best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM empowers real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and perspective as well as existing franchisees. This enables you to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all messages to and from perspective and existing franchisees, including text, legal and compliance, and simplified too, with FRM's document management, and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored within FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including text messages, are being permanently tracked and stored in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. No long-term contracts, Multiple upgrades each year at no additional cost each year. No excuses, just solutions. On the web at frmsolutions.com. Jeff, going back to the, uh, the question about the hot spots, the red flags that you look for, well, what are the things that you might look for for an emerging brand that might be different than from a more uh, established or mature legacy brand? Um, the components of an emerging brand, uh, some of the statistics. So we studied a number of brands from 2010 to 2016, uh, that started franchising in 2010 and kind of watched their trending and what they've done and studied the offering that they've had, um, during that time. So from an emerging brand point of view, uh, it's two things primarily. One is the development, uh, areas or the, the the territories that they're developing that have we're expecting to see in, in a positive brand, a hub-and-spoke type mentality or growth opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, we see more often brands that will jump multiple states or across country um, hit a threshold and contract or stop growing. 
Um, those that have done a bit more of a hub and spoke and went so far within a geographic territory and then kind of expanded on that development and then took a next step um, have had sustainable growth. It's been a little slower at times, but there's been a continued sustainable growth over that period. Um, at the same time, we've seen that correlated with local, a larger local ad spend requirement in the item six as opposed to a national ad spend requirement. Um, and I think part of that is just local brand awareness, putting more money to your to the franchisee's local market. As an emerging brand, there probably is not as much brand equity once you get beyond that initial territory of the uh, you know the business. So we've also seen a correlation with franchise systems, emerging brands that have had a, a larger local ad spend relative to national, where they've done well or better on average than the reverse of that. And is there um, any uh, benefit to a startup franchisor to have their uh, FDD evaluated and go through your process when they have yet to even bring on franchisee one? Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, we've from a startup franchise, um, those that have had better growth – um, are ones that are disclosing expense data within their corporate or company outlets. Um, and typically we've seen actually those that have disclosed individual co company outlets, if there's more than one, um, where they're instead of doing an average, they're actually identifying each individual outlet with some expense data attributes. Uh, over since 2010 to 2016, I've had better growth rate than those, in particular those without any item 19 period. Um, but those startup brands obviously have to be a bit more competitive in their offering. But a lot of times they pick the wrong investment attribute to reduce, say the franchise fee or the royalty rate. These are things that the franchisor needs as revenue to be able to sustain their support of, a, of their emerging or developing brand. So, um, you know, when we work with a, a startup franchisor, we're identifying those kind of two components. One how to differentiate yourself from other startups um, by providing that item 19 data, the company information, making sure that the franchisee understands that, yes, it is a higher risk, but the company outlets are successful, are profitable um, based on the expense disclosure. And in addition to that, put additional value around other attributes of the offering, but not the not impede or infringe on your revenue stream or your future revenue stream from these locations. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, obviously, as we're we're talking, um, you're quite, you know, knowledgeable about the FDD, the um, the various components, and are able to, you know, spew out uh, information um, at the um, at at a simple request. And this will be off the cuff, and, and and I have my own opinions on this, so there's no right or wrong answer to this. But in your mind, you know. How many franchisors truly understand the information in their FDD? Uh, limited. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it is. It is limited. <laughs> um, and I, I say that because, from a you know a sales or an executive perspective, there isn't necessarily that need to understand it in that depth. But it is amazing how many audits that we've done where we've identified 
components of an FDD where the team, like the franchisors came back to us and said, we didn't even see that. We didn't even know that was there. It was just, we've seen this so many times, we just glaze over it. Um, and, and I'm just surprised, even spelling mistakes, errors, uh, item 20 errors in FDDs just amaze me that the math does not work. Um, but franchisors, to your point, or you know, in my opinion, a lot of them do not understand the depth of their FDD and, and when it comes to a sales side, they might not need to, but it will hurt them at times on with a candidate. Sure, no doubt. Um, interesting story. Having worked with uh, you know um, just a large number of startup and emerging brands, um, one in particular that I won't name was in the children's space and was very proud of the fact that he spent X amount of dollars on his FDD and had that all in order and don't even want you looking at it if you're going to charge me for it type of, of mentality. I said, well, I'm still going to review it anyway. And uh, I wound up calling him up about 1030 on a Friday night and said, why are you calling me so late? I said, I, I, I had a question that I just felt I, I had to ask right now as I was reading through your, your FDD. And, and of course he said, Oh, that's, that's, a, that's good, isn't it? Isn't it a good FDD? I said, yeah, but I, I, I've got a question that I'm, I'm trying to have a, a hard time figuring out. Um, it, it, explain to me where the pizza oven is in your business. <laughs> and he said, yes. Paul, what, what are you talking about, pizza oven? You know, I've got, you know, this time I said, well, it, it's on page such and such in your FDD, and, uh, and I know because you spent a lot of money, you must have certainly read through the FDD so you had an understanding of it. I'm just trying to understand where it goes inside the business and how you explain it to a franchisee or a prospective franchisee considering that you're a children's business. And there was just silence, and he said, you know, point well taken. And it was that really stuck in my mind. And I kind of just did a, a, a little bit of an off-the-cuff type of, you know, test that as I spoke with, with founders and their CEOs and certainly didn't want to put them on the spot. But I'll tell you why, this is what I would say to a CEO or a founder, why we can help your business in what we do. I said, and I'm not even going to pitch you anything. Give your franchise development team, you know, this test without them having an opportunity to go back to the FDD. And we did about 20 of them. And it was simple 15 or 20 questions, but it was really simple stuff like, how much is your franchise fee? How much is the discount for multiple locations? Uh, do you offer a discount for veterans? What is that discount if you do? What is the marketing fee? What is this? What is that? It was all very, very simple stuff. Not like some of the stuff that they may not need to know from the sales process. Right? This is stuff you would think they need to know. Out of yeah. about 20 franchisors that we did that, using 70% as a passing grade, three-quarters of them failed. Wow. The franchise yeah. founders were just appalled. <laughs> well, and, and what I struggle with is the amount of money and effort that's spent on bringing a candidate into that sales funnel, whether it's buying leads, using a broker, marketing, advertising expenses. 
it is difficult to get that candidate to focus on you. If you're able as a franchisor to bring them through the sales process and are not able to convey or, or um, explain your brand in a way that they're comfortable with, or worst case, provide them an FDD where their law firm or their lawyer or the legal counsel will review it and come up with the concept of, oh, hey, you're investing to this children's franchise. They're offering a pizza oven as part of it. What does that say about the brand? I mean, that really hinders and potentially <laughs> creates a substantial risk for a candidate that probably otherwise would have said yes and invested. So this concept of using the FDD as a marketing tool, um, I've said that for the last four years, this is about making sure that you're putting yourself in the best position, the best foot forward, you're shining your shoes, you're polishing, you know, suit and tie in front of a candidate while they're exploring your option. If you're better and, you know, more well-dressed relative to your competitors, the ability to have that conversation and also show that uh, will just help increase your sales. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, why would you have something that you spend twenty-five dollars to $40,000 on and not utilize it uh, to your advantage? Why not yeah. want to showcase it, especially since the majority will read it, uh, even before you know uh, becoming a quote-unquote candidate in your sales funnel, they can get that information, you know, from a, a, a variety of places without even contacting yep. the franchisor. But why not make it, you know, part of the um, of the process and use it to your advantage? And I know I've had uh, umpteen debates, and most recently a debate on the subject um, on one of the LinkedIn groups about when the disclosure document should be provided to the yep. uh, franchise candidate. And of course, the uh, the law says, law rule, whatever you want to call it. I think it's the law. The law says that the, the first time they they request it, and um, right. is is at the very minimum. And still, there are franchisors and and others in the space that say, oh no, they got to be qualified. They got to be genuine. And of course, I argue yep. back, putting aside all the benefits of providing it to them, and saying they can get it any place. Um, some free, some they just got to spend a few bucks. So yep. why throw up a red flag and say, oh, no, I can't send it to you? It just, to me, is absurd. Well, I think that's, you know, to a certain extent, I'll call it old school thought. I mean, you know, we're in a technology age. Data is easy to get. Um, Information is easy to get. Sometimes there's too much, but ultimately um, it's not about hoarding or, or um preventing somebody from getting the information because if you do that, like you said, it's a red flag. So being transparent about it, every franchisor is going to have their warts, if you will. Every There's not a perfect franchise out there. There are great franchises, and each franchise is going to be different depending on the type of candidate, the location, a variety of factors. So why put up those red flags, like you said? Why try to hide what is technically already public and available um, and, and so I've had those conversations with franchisors too, and, and I think to a certain extent, it's it's uh, you know the goal is to control the message around primarily maybe why they do not have an item 19 or why they've only have a five-year term when their competitors have 10 or 15 type situations. So they're trying to control the objection handling sure. um, 
and, and I think that's the you know the the intent around that mindset, um, which is fair a fair you know position to take, but it, it will not prevent that individual from getting that information regardless. Well, and then when they get that information, now you're dealing with somebody that's surprised, and and it may you know cast some doubts and um, and interfere with the franchise sales process from progressing, you know, forward. I mean, it's a it's an element of surprise. It's there. Yeah. Why not talk about it up front? I know one of the things that myself and and my team do is we have we instruct and highly suggest, I won't say instruct, we highly suggest, you know, candidates print out the um, the FDD, even in today's digital world, and we yeah. tell them to take a highlighter and a red pen and highlight all the things they have, you know, concerns, questions about, need clarification, if there's anything specific, take that red pen and write down the margin, you know, the, the, the questions that they have and make it a living document that that yeah. grows with them. And a matter of fact, we've even incorporated some of the disclosure document into the operations manual, uh, reminding them of different things along in the process because we're firm believers that if an organization is going to spend that twenty-five dollars to $40,000 on a document, let's utilize it um, for what it's worth and, and utilize it to our advantage in a lot of different ways. And I know candidates really appreciate that. And, I mean, to me, I cannot find anything wrong in doing that, whether it be from a legal standpoint, from a best practices standpoint, or from even a logical standpoint. I can't find anything wrong with that type of process. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly with that. And it's a franchise candidate going to engage – if they like the brand and if there's there's an affinity that's both you know um, like a passion or a, or a kind of qualitative approach cultural mindset as well as an investment mindset but sure. allowing them to process that information through the FDD to be able to and from our side we tell candidates look or, or our prospective franchisees that, that engage us take a first pass at the FDD and just pull out the key attributes that you think are important within the franchise, whether that's the franchise fee, the royalties, kind of the ongoing, the franchise relationship at the end of the day, because it's not an independent business. There are give and take, find the things that are, are kind of relevant on, on the surface, understand what they are. And then on a second pass, dig in deeper and exactly like you said, write down questions, highlight different components of it. Um, But get a first pass to understand kind of the core elements of the relationship that you're going to be part of for 10 or more years. Um, and that's ultimately the goal. Yeah. Why not provide that information? You know, having been on the, uh, the franchisor side in my career and, and having, you know, well over a thousand franchises um, sold it, I always used the franchise disclosure document and back in the day, the, the uniform franchise offering circular throughout the relationship with the franchisee and not from the standpoint of holding the, the, the legal compliance terms over their head, but from a practical standpoint of getting them to understand what the system was about, what the responsibilities were, and why it's to the benefit of them and the entire organization 
And I'll tell you, and I, and, and I feel very honored that for the most part, you know, we had little issues with franchisees that were brought in under that premise um, and process and, and, and lasted through the, uh, the term of the franchise agreement. I mean, I think it's just an absolute valuable tool. We're franchise today live. Uh, it is Wednesday, August 2nd, and I am speaking with the founder and CEO of FranchiseGrade.com, Jeff Leffler. Jeff, let's take a, a, a different uh, path right now um, than we did the first 45 minutes of the show and, and, and wrap up um, with this. Um, what kind of – how valuable a resource is franchise? Grade.com. We've already discussed it on the franchisor side, but now let's talk about the uh, the interested party all the way up to the franchise candidate, whether they be a first-time uh, investor in a franchise or a more sophisticated uh, investor. How does um, FranchiseGrade.com become that valuable resource for the interested party and candidates? Yeah. So from a, a prospect side, I mean, we're one tool in a tool belt. Um, you know, we're we're one component to their due diligence effort. So whether you exactly whether you're a first time candidate, a lot of our messaging and support can be um, pared down to be digestible and understood. Versus a sophisticated investor, we license data to uh, larger multi unit franchisees, private equity groups. Um, academic institutions where they're accessing data on a macro level and running their own analytics and, and, and research. So at the end of the day, the, the data is valuable. How we present it to the different types of stakeholders in the industry is, is done in a way so that it's useful to them. Um, you know, to look at everything on mass, it would be very difficult for a, a first-time franchise investor to be able to understand all the little nuances of out of a franchise comparison, but being able to scale that down and provide them with an easy-to-understand report card or an easy-to-understand uh, research paper around specific interests in, a, in the QSR space or pet services or home care um, just helps them focus and get beyond the consumer mindset. And that's ultimately the goal with that is being able to provide that prospect, primarily the first-time prospect, um, a window into something other than I love the taste of that food. And if we do that and we can get them to think outside of that space, that's kind of our goal. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a it was a great uh, quote and, I'll, and I'll, I'll say it again, you know, the challenges that using franchise services or eating in a franchise location is far different than investing in a franchise. There are often significant differences between a good consumer franchise and a good investment franchise. I think that is uh, absolutely a, a, a priceless uh, quote that you had here uh, or had before the, um, the show that we've repeated here. Uh, you know, I could even see it obviously being valuable for the very sophisticated uh, franchise investor that, you know, might already be a multi-unit operator and, and looking at a new brand because as smart as they are and as diligent and, and, um, and, and excellent as they are at operating multi-unit operations, you know, with a new brand, you know, obviously, you know, your resources are going to provide them with uh, a different glimpse than they might 
already, um, you know, they might already have. And I think that's uh, obviously uh, a priceless to the sophisticated individual as well. And as well, I and think and that, and as I, go ahead, no, I'm sorry. No, sorry, I was just going to say as, as, as kind of a step back to that, it's also an ability to provide them with a larger scope of opportunities. Um, a lot of times we'll have that sophisticated investor come to us with, you know, I'm looking for something outside of the burger space with development opportunities in this three or four state area that's their existing demographic or existing territory. Um, and we can pull together a number of brands and provide them with a list that they have opportunities on there that they did not know about. Um, so it just broadens their ability to see the, the opportunities that are available. How do franchisors react that are interested in your, your products and services? I guess it's more service. Um, when they see that uh, you also work with franchisees, and, and I know some within the industry uh, actually think of FranchiseGrade.com as a, as a portal of sorts, um, yep. some maybe even seeing that as a conflict. What's, what's your stand on that? Uh, we're our fundamental offering is data research. So we're providing different services to different cohorts or stakeholders in the industry. Um, so yes, we do have prospects use our service and, and yes, we can match them up to different franchise systems, but every single brand that we have information on, we provide the exact same amount of information to any candidate. So there's no, uh, from a lead generation or a portal perspective, that's one very tiny component of our platform um, that does not match to what we're offering that franchisor as a service. Uh, it's very limited in the scope of what we provide. So um, at the end of the day, the goal is to make sure that healthy, sustainable franchises grow. Um, and if we can highlight them and and ultimately identify them and help them position themselves. Um, you know, those that may not be as sustainable or healthy. I, I mean, I would would not recommend them to a prospect, or I would not recommend them to my friend or my family. So, and I can prove statistically why that makes sense or why that would happen. So, I, I get the frustration from some brands, but at the end of the day, the goal is to make sure that everybody in the industry is making money. I do uh, agree, and I love the uh, uh, the, um, the the sentence on your website. And I actually believe it should be more towards uh, the top as opposed to at the very bottom. And it says our motivation is simple: we want to raise the bar and build a strong yep. franchise community for all stakeholders. Uh, I think that's uh, kind of just sums it up. And and to help you in this, uh, I do agree. Uh, I, I think, you know, as a, uh, a data company, one of the leading data market research companies in, in franchising, uh, I do believe that your products and services are beneficial to uh, a host of different uh, clients, and I'll read from your, your website. It says our products and services serve a variety of clients, uh, and there's a list of, of, of seven or eight here. Prospective franchisees exploring and planning to invest in a franchise, individuals interested in acquiring an existing franchise, private equity or investment groups that make investments, franchisors looking for ways to improve the performance of their franchise operation and competitive position, a franchisee association recruiting new members, 
an academic institution exploring the franchise industry, or a government agency studying uh, the business model. So I honestly believe that um, your products and services are beneficial in a lot of different ways for a lot of different uh, clients that are out there. Thank you. So um, how can uh, individuals, whether they be franchise candidates, people that are just interested in franchising or franchisors, uh, learn more about Franchise Grade? Yeah, our, our website is tailored to prospective franchisees. So for any prospect that's or any individual looking for a franchise opportunity, um, you know, our website is tailored to help search and, and research and get data on uh, any franchise system. From a franchisor perspective, uh, the best thing that we do is we're able to take somebody through a demo of the platform to show the depth and the scope of it. And uh, the easy answer is to either call us directly or I can even give my phone number over the phone right now or over the... Yes, absolutely. Give us the uh, contact information. Yeah, so my number is 917-633-4593. Well, that's great. And the uh, the site is franchisegrade.com. Uh, so if yes. you want information about it, I would at least highly recommend uh, taking uh, Jeff and his team up on the uh, the offer to take you through their platform. Uh, having been through it myself, I was uh, quite impressed. Jeff, I really appreciate you being our guest today on Franchise Today. I know Stan uh, really wanted to be on here today, but of course had a, a prior commitment in getting ready for the uh, the IFA Wednesday Wise webinar. Uh, but but certainly we do appreciate you being our guest today and sharing so much information. Yeah, and, and thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Well, that's another uh, episode of Franchise Today. Remember, next week we have uh, Sabrina Wall, the uh, CEO and founder of the Franchise Broker Association, to be our guest. It should be a uh, another interesting topic as we're in the uh, the midst of the middle of our eighth year on franchise today. Until next week, my name is Paul Segreto wishing you the best, the very best in this great, great thing we call franchising and franchise today is out. <laughs> franchise pros, stand the man, Paul Segreto, Badlands baby. Huh. Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, Sustainable growth, the sensible franchise. Franchise today.